five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. on the internet. All right, we're back in the yacht today, or at least on the dock of the yacht. Um, that was the Dukes of September, which was, I, I guess it was a touring band, and I, I, they did put together that concert, which was at Lincoln Center in New York, which was videotaped by PBS. I guess that was a PBS special. So you have Donald Fagan, Michael McDonald, and Bosquez. Kind of the three, all they needed was Kenny Loggins, but I bet they couldn't afford him. Kenny Loggins is kind of in a different league category. There's that Michael McDonald crossover, like the Venn diagram with Kenny Loggins. But like Kenny Loggins is pretty far away from Celia Dan. Let's be clear about that. I mean, pretty far away. And um, Boss Gags is a little bit closer to Celia Dan than Kenny Loggins. So if you're going to take three out of the big four, I think they nailed it with the Dukes. And they all it sounded pretty well. I mean, pretty good. Uh, Donald Fagan's voice, hmm, not quite the way it used to be, but happens over time. Michael McDonald can still sing. Uh, and Boss Gags does a pretty good job there too. I was gonna play Pretzel Logic, which is a longer song. It's about seven minutes. It's definitely not in the yacht category, although I love that tune. And all three of them have vocal parts on Pretzel Logic, which is pretty good. I mean, where else you can find Boss Gags and Michael McDonald and Donald Fagan all singing on the same song in a, in a Steely Dan track as well. There's something weird about Donald Fagan. It's like he, he doesn't have a neck. Do you notice that? It's like he doesn't have a neck. He almost reminds me of Stephen Hawking. Where'd that go? He's got a Stephen Hawking vibe. Let me bring it back up here. Just remind you of the lack of a neck he has. This, this is, the guitar player is Michael Harrington, who's actually quite good. He did a, a great kind of Larry Carlton um, knockoff there, who I think does the solo on guitar We'll talk about the song in a second. Where is that video? 
Let me go back and take another look at his neck. I think this should be it right here. And look at it, he's got no neck. I've noticed this before about him. You know, when you're a parent <clears throat> and you look at your kid and you, and you ask, and you really look at your kid and go, oh man, he, he kind of got shorted in this area. And as a parent, you, you begin to think about it. Like, well, what can I do to help my kid? Whatever that area is, a lot for a lot of parents, it's height. And they think, oh man, my kid's gonna be short. And he can't compete in a world of tall people, especially when it comes to athletics. This happens quite a bit. In fact, it fucked up um, Paul Williams, who is a uh, singer-songwriter, very, very famous. So a lot of you know who Paul Williams is. And he got some kind of testosterone injection or something when he was when he was young, and it literally stopped his growth process. But what do you do if you're Donald Fagan's parent and he has no neck? Do you look around to see if there's like neck stretching devices for your kid? So he doesn't look like Quasimodo when he gets older. I mean, he turned out fine. But when you listen to his music, in a lot of ways, it's like the music of a guy without a neck. Because it's almost like sideshow freaky. Right, there's a little like if you look at him, then you look at Boss Gags has a fucking neck. Michael McDonald has a neck. He may, he accentuates it a little bit by wearing a turtleneck, which is makes him even more kind of neckless. Like he leans into not having a neck. But I think art is born out of some of these things, right? Like um, Toulouse Lautrec was, you know, he was a dwarf, right? He was a midget dwarf person. And so he saw the world in a very different kind of, very different way based on whatever kind of handicap or disability that he might have had. People become self-conscious and aware of these things on a physical level. So did Donald Fagan's lack of a neck influence the music of Steely Dan? Because he might see himself as like a physical or social reject. Like he's not like everybody else. He doesn't fit in. By the way, he's a Capricorn. And while the neck isn't ruled by Capricorn, it is part of the spine, which does rule Capricorn and the rest of the skeletal system. I mean, he turned out fine. If I was Mr. and Mrs. Fagan, I'd be, I'd be pleased with my napless son. We we worried about you for a while, but you overcame your lack of a neck and you you became a pop sensation, a musical sensation. It's just an observation. Because I would always look at Faye, like, what's going on with this guy? Why? He's kind of got that sort of Ray Charles meets Stephen Hawking kind of a look about him at times. But uh, I'm sure glad that uh, he made made this music. Kid Charlemagne, a song about 
Uh, Owsley, who was the big acid cooker for the Grateful Dead, and then the, uh, uh, was it the, I always fuck up their name. The Eternal, Eternal Sunshine family. These are the guys that uh, dropped uh, orange sunshine tabs and they became huge acid dealers. It's a very interesting story about them. Uh, they actually were like these punks that lived in San Pedro and they, were, they would like, they would hijack people. This is in the early 60s. So they would use a gun and they would hijack people and they would force people to drive them back to their house or, you know, stick them up at gunpoint and take whatever they have. Uh, San Pedro being a very hard town in Southern California. So one time they stick up this guy and he's like, well, hey, how'd you like to come back to uh, my mansion? I'll give you some shit. They're like, what? Yeah, come on back. So like, okay, so what did the guy give him? He gave masses, blew their minds, right? And from that day forward, they never did crime again. Well, they did, but it was a different kind of crime. They trafficked LSD. But they went so far into this acid world that they bought some land kind of in inland California that had a church on it and they lived there. And they actually like started their own church. And one of the main guys um, from that group, like, you know, he, he was like their, you know, their John the Baptist or their Jesus. And it, they became like so, so far out there with consciousness and life and God and the universe. And then they were like, okay, this is so good. We got to turn the rest of the world on. And that became their mission. So eventually they employed Owsley, uh, who had been formerly the Great From Dead's chemist, and got him to make a shit ton of orange sunshine. That was what they were known for. And then eventually they matriculated back to Laguna Beach, uh, Southern California, and ran their operation out of there. I was actually living in Laguna Beach when they were there and they were, they were like the bosses. Although I was too young to understand any of this and didn't even know they were there. I was nine years old, but Laguna Beach always felt to me, it was, it was like, it came from San Jose, which was basically a fucking cow town. I talked about, do you know the way to San Jose yesterday with Dion Warwick? Well, we knew the way we got there. And part of it was cool. Like I thought I'd move to the country because there are all these orchards around us. I'm like, oh man, this is great. It's country life, country living. This is great, be able to get a horse or something like that. And within just a couple of years, they were just slicing and dicing and subdividing. It was, it was, it was a culture shock, really. Because we used to play football on the street out in front of my house with big street lights, we'd play until dark. And the street ended in a dead end. Now that street's like a freeway. Like you couldn't, you couldn't even, you couldn't even like play a game of catch thrown across that street now because you would hit a car invariably. But that's what it was like. It was kind of, it was, there was no culture, so to speak. 
in San Jose. And then we sort of moved from San Jose to Laguna Beach. And I'm like, and at that time it was hippie paradise in Southern California. That you could feel. It was dripping, it was everywhere. <laughs> it was everywhere in Laguna Beach. And apparently there's a good reason why. So that's what that song is about. It's about Owsley as, as a kid Charlemagne. Welcome to the show. This is 15 Minutes of Flame. I'm Robert Phoenix. And uh, we spend uh, about an hour and a half talking about weird shit. What's going on in the world. What's going on um, in my life sometimes. Your life occasionally. And if you're listening on the podcast side of things, uh, welcome. We appreciate you being here. And we also appreciate you watching on the streaming site on 15minutesofflame.com. That's ovflame.com. So drugs are, we're entering into an interesting phase with drugs. Very interesting phase. I just found out that Aaron Rodgers, who plays quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, who is quickly becoming the most interesting man in professional sports. Like there's Aaron Rodgers and there's no close second. I actually think Kyrie Irving is interesting. Like all the people that reject Kyrie Irving for his nuttiness, I embrace. I, I embrace his desire to go into flat earth and talk about flat earth. I embrace his very like rigorous and standalone policy around not getting vaccinated. He just drew a line in the sand and said, I'm not doing it. And he got a bad bad rep and rap from social pundits, like sports pundits, they didn't like it. They thought it was selfish. I thought it was I thought it was courageous. Sure he got paid, but he took a stand. Not many athletes take a stand. So I think Kyrie Irving's interesting. Um, I don't think he and Kevin Durant are gonna work out. But I do that from the jump. There are opposite signs. Durant's a Libra and Kyrie Irving's a, an Aries. Anytime you get opposite signs together with men, it almost invariably results in rivalry. The one exception to that rule seemed to be Hall and Oates, but I don't know the exact dynamics with those guys because I bet that they fucking hated each other at certain points along the way. John Oates is an Aries, Daryl Hall is a Libra. But they've stuck together and they're touring. Another example, I remember when uh, Shaquille O'Neal wound up going to the Lakers and Shaq's a Pisces and Kobe's a Virgo. I said, this may work for a little bit, but ultimately it's not going to work because they're going to be rivals. They're opposite sides. Sure enough, that's what happened. (laughs) That's that's what happened. They, They started to hate each other. You know, Shaq was like, Kobe wouldn't be shit without me. And Kobe's like, yeah, Shaq, you know, you're good, but uh, you're, you're, you're the peanut butter and I'm the jam, right? And this just didn't, didn't last long. So Shaq left and I think he got another, he got another ring with uh, the Miami Heat, although I don't think he was a huge player at that time. I mean, he was huge physically, but not huge in terms of their team scheme. It was more... Dwayne Wade's team. Um, anyway, welcome to the show. Aaron Rodgers, 
getting back to him, last year he didn't get vaccinated. He got busted. Somebody outed him. And he used the word, um, he didn't use the word vaccinated. He used a different word. I'm, what was it? I'm not indemnified. Um, yeah, I, I took care of my immunity or something like that. He was kind of you know, dancing around it. And he didn't get vaccinated. And he still didn't get vaccinated. They tried to cancel him. And this is what happens. You stand out from the crowd. Then all of a sudden, all the people who were singing your praises and you know giving you your flowers, they all of a sudden, they hate you. They hate you because you did something that they wanted to do but couldn't do. So now they're going to try to drag you down with this. That's what the whole vaccine thing was about. It's like, fuck you. I've got to take it and you've got to take it. I have to put my body at risk and put all my internal organs at risk. So if I'm going to do it, you're going to fucking do it too. Cause I'm doing it for the greater good, which is bullshit. He didn't do it. So then I guess during the off season, he went to either Central America or South America and he took ayahuasca and he's, and he's, you know, he's talking about it and he, and he shows up at training camp, uh, looking like Nicholas Cage. He's wearing a wife beater. His hair is all grown out. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be an interesting season. Aaron Rodgers did some tripping. He did some tripping in Central America and South America. His insights are going to be fascinating to watch over the course of the season. And I grew, so I'm a big football fan, so I watched Aaron Rodgers play at Cal. And, I, and he set the consecutive completion record one day against USC. I watched it on TV. I watched it all was happening. I'm like, this fucking guy is really good. And then when the 49ers passed on him for Alex Smith, I was so pissed. Do you know why? Do you know why they passed on him? Because Aaron Rodgers would not follow the instructions of the then head coach, Dick Nolan, who was a complete ignoramus. And I think one of the instructions was, can you dribble a football? That was one of the things that they wanted to make him do during the workout, which by the way, I did when I was nine years old. It was one of those things that you do when you were a kid, like, can I dribble a football? And then you do it, you make sure the laces are up and you just, you know, dribble a football. People would see me doing this. Oh, how, do you, how did you do that? Well, I just figured it out. He said, no, I'm not going to dribble a football. And they asked him to do a couple of other things. And he said, no, this is stupid. I'll throw passes for you. I'll do football shit. But I'm not going to do this clown show shit. Ah, I worked in title of the show today, right? Clown World Comes to Town, which we are going to look at. And they didn't draft it. You know why? Because he was not going to follow their stupid fucking orders. He was smarter than them, which is true. And I'm like, God damn it, why didn't you draft him? Why didn't you draft him? Because you drafted this other guy because he was nice. His father was the principal of the school that he went to in San Diego. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. I get it. 
but he wasn't as good as Aaron Rodgers and wasn't even close. Anybody that watched football knew that. They just knew it. Now Smith wound up having a good career and he was turned out to be a good guy. But in the beginning, he was crap and his coach was crap. And I just kept saying, this is a crap coach. He's a shitty coach. And people hated me. Like, oh, why don't you give him some time? I said, I don't have to give him any time. He's a fucking shitty coach. I know this. And guess what? I was Anyway, that's football talk, sports talk. But Aaron Rodgers is going to be interesting. Even yesterday, or a couple days ago, you know, we have the preseason coming up. Which is kind of a joke. I mean, football is kind of a joke anyway now. It's just a jokey sport. But Aaron Rodgers is still playing. And he said, uh, well, you're going to have me in for four snaps. Why? That's stupid. <laughs> He's a starting quarterback. He's like, either play me the whole fucking game or don't play me at all. Four snaps is ridiculous. What am I going to do? Hand the ball off two or three times? Give the people who bought a ticket a chance to say, oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. He started play four snaps. Yeah, we saw him. Is that why they're doing So he's questioning convention now. And I love it. I love it. I love the fact that this guy who's a system buster, which is what he is, he was kind of woke early on. And then I saw him get off the woke train. It's like, oh, this is interesting. Like he's a Sagittarius. This is what Sagittarius is supposed to do. Sagittarius is supposed to question the validity of reality Right and find their own catechism, find their own like relationship with sort of orthodoxy and rules and their own personal expression. Of all the signs, Sagittarius tends to be the one that leads into authenticity the most. So he's going to be interesting to watch. Speaking of drugs, and I'm going to get to Chattari in a second. We're talking about something good for you, something natural. It's not ayahuasca, but it is CBD. And um, boy, I got to tell you, uh, the um, the relationship between this show and True Hemp Science just keeps getting better and better and better and uh, more complex and in a good way, not complex in a bad way, not complex in a, I'm in a shitty relationship and I've got to get out kind of way, but in a really good way. I had a long time uh, slash client slash friend, you know, it's one of those things where the line blurs a little bit. And she sent me a text yesterday and uh, having some issues with some of her pets. And she said, I just got off the phone with Chris um, and we figured out a program for our two cats and our dog uh, using some of the CBD. And I hope it works. I hope it works too. Right? I hope it works as well. I hope that your pets, the thing about pets is they can really show improvement faster in ways than humans. They go down the hill faster too. That's the downside of pets. Like sometimes when they get sick, it's just like, you know, it's generally a fairly quick exit off the freeway. But they can also show improvement quickly, too. So I hope that, um, that it all works out. But the fact of the matter is that uh, Chris spent time with my friend, 
we'll put her in the friend first, client second part. She came to the house a couple of years ago on 4th. It's like great to have her um, over and her sister's cool too, right? This is, and they're right down the road uh, in uh, Centerville or uh, Centerpoint, Sisterdale, that area. Anyway, um, but it was great that she was able to spend that time on the phone with Chris and get a personal consultation about how this stuff works, how can it, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, assist her pets. So I told her, I said, keep me posted. She just sent me that text yesterday. So things are going, things are going really, really well in terms of, you know, building out something here, right? So when we talk about CBD and true hemp science, and we talk, and I talk about the efficacy of their gummies, right? That's true. And that's one thing, but it's part of our community, right? It's part of the, the bridge to the new world that we're building. We don't even know that we're building that bridge, but we are. We're doing it through connection, sharing of information, finding more holistic solutions than the ones that they want to foist upon us and actually make us more sick than not. So it's been a great partnership and I just wanted to give you some updates around it. Uh, if you go to truehemscience.com backslash 23, you just click on that link on my website. It takes you into the calming Amazonian rainforest world that uh, awaits you on that website. You go through and look at all their products. And if you spend $100 and you type in 15MINS, M-I-N-S, uh, you'll get some free product thrown your way. Chris is always good about that. And then $150 or more and you get, you get some free shipping thrown in to the kitty as well. So there we go from LSD. For here, so here's how we connected the dots. Kid Charlemagne, Owsley, Eternal Brotherhood of Love, right? Orange Sunshine, Ayahuasca, Aaron Rodgers, CBD. There we go. All right, let's uh, jump into Chattaria and let's see who's here today. Back, back. I was already in there this morning, gave, gave a little reading. We got things up and running a little early today. We got Michael Pafford. Michael's here, checked in at 9.02. Anna Sophia right behind them. Hello, Anna. Uh, how many clowns can fit in the congressional clown car? I like the triple K there, Michael. I like that, that was good. Uh, TJ's here, what's going on, Thomas? Always good to have you. Uh, there's Ryan, who is the head of the uh, uh, Introspective Woodworkers of the World Union. He actually is the head of that union. Uh, he's here, what's going on, Ryan? Uh, let's see. Michael said, a group of baboons is not called to Congress. That would be an insult to baboons. I love that. But Tom has just uh, posted, well, he posted this at 9.06. It's almost 9.46, so 40 minutes ago. I'll be on with Giuseppe tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern. Yes, I'll be on with Giuseppe on Twitch tonight. 
It's always saucy. We get into saucy topics over on Giuseppe World. Sony's here. What's going on, Sony? Uh, Anna Sophia. Um, she was already, did I mention Anna? I think, yes. Well, if I haven't, there it is. Hi, Anna. Always good to see you. Hucklebuck. Good day, folks. International Shrine Clown Association. Be a clown in the dough. Wink, wink. Shrine clowns. Clowns and fools, they are the, they're one of the high, clowns and jesters are one of the highest ranking orders in these fraternal societies. And Trump is a jester. Trump is a jester. Now, he may not be an official jester, although he might be. He is clearly a jester. Trump is a, uh, an agent of high discordia. Let's see who else do we have here. The Shriners creep me out, man. I'll tell you, if you want to, if you want to, like, check out a nightmare, go on Google and type in uh, "ex-free Masonic wives." It takes you into these message boards where these former Free Masonic wives, like, they've divorced, and they talk about the horror story of being married to Masons, and. In, very, in a lot of cases, unless they get sucked in and are part of the, you know, part of the scene, it winds up in divorce. And invariably, you know, it'll it'll happen when they find a card for an escort somewhere lying around, or an unused condom. Like that's like oh, and they're always away from the home. They're always away from the home. They're always doing things away from the home, which breaks up the family. It's like the guys, I mean, I'm all for men having the ability to leave their home and do men shit. But this is part of it. And what do they do? A lot of cases, they're going to conventions. And, and, and there was this one story. What did I read? It was this guy who had been a Mason. I think he was either a Mason or a Shriner. And he was naive. Like he was just getting broken in. And they were at this hotel, there was a big convention. And I think he was either rooming with somebody or he had been told to come to this room at a certain time. I forget what the details were. But he walked in and there was this guy that he knew who was a high ranking Shriner. He knew him, of course, inside the org and outside the org. And he's in there and he's banging away on you know, a hooker, an escort that they hire. And he was shocked, right, to see this thing. And I think it ultimately led to him, like, saying, this is not for me. But if you ever want to find out the effects on the wife of, a fan, a wife of somebody who's married to somebody in these groups, you could waste a couple hours and be very enlightening in its own weird way. Um, let's see. CC's here. What's going on, Fran? Wendy says, hi, Wendy. She's here, the beautiful one. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? We talked about Sony, if not, Sony, let's talk about you some more. Good to see you. Miss Nakia, checking in. Hello, Miss Nakia. Good morning to you. Maurice 100, there's my man. Looking forward to seeing him in October at the big event with David, the Leo King Palmer. Did you know that there was a guy named David Palmer that used to sing for Celia Dan? Connecting the yacht dot. 
Kelly's here. Hi, Kelly B. Morning. Uh, Robert, thank you for playing my song yesterday, but if it's not yacht, then I don't grasp the concept. Fair enough. It's close. It's a, it's a little Tin Pan Alley-esque. It's a little Tin Pan Alley-esque. We'll bring it on the yacht. Just for you, Wendy, it's on the yacht. Rue 9, will it ever stop? Robin, it stops when the yacht docks. As I mentioned, I am going out on the sailboat this weekend. It's not going to be it on the ocean. Contained environment. I will be safe. Um, I think we're going to just get, like, look, it's so fucking hot. Hot rhymes with yacht. Like, do I want to bring up, like, Dust Bowl ballads right now? Maybe that's what I should do. Maybe I should do a whole month of Woody Guthrie. What do you think? Woody Guthrie and Hank Williams. Just a whole month of hardcore Dust Bowl tumbleweed music. No. No. You have to admit, the Dukes of September, some pretty good players there. All right, who else do we have? Steely Dan, all studio musicians, solid, all studio musicians, as you can see. <clears throat> Yeah, they, that's a funny comment. I mean, back in the day, Boss Gags kind of looked the part. Like when he was a young gun and he came up through Chicago and that, what was that, that whole like um, Al Cooper, Mike Bloomfield world. I think that's where he cut his teeth. Steve Miller, he kind of looked the part. Boss Gags kind of looked the part. A little funny looking, but he had long hair. Um, kind of looked the part. Michael McDonald never looked the part. I saw a funny bit. These comedians, what's his name? Nick Mullen was doing a funny bit on Michael McDonald. Oh, I, I wish I could play it. It's too long, but it's very funny. Very, and so politically incorrect. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Another day, another crisis. It's like being in FM hell with one channel. I know, right? Isn't that great? It's like you're out in the middle of nowhere, you got the one FM station. Oh shit. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get the AM antenna up late at night so I can hear some Tejano border music. Uh let's see. Hey, there's my man Steve. Thor the door is here. What's going on, Steve? Good to see you. Oh, Sony, work with Kenny, fashion industry. Oh. That sounds interesting. Kenny Loggins is one of my all-time least favorites. You notice I don't play a lot of Kenny Loggins. He's on the yacht, clearly. He's on the yacht, but I don't play a lot of Kenny Loggins. And I'm sort of in that camp a little bit. Some of the yacht stuff is great, but I can't fucking stand Footloose. I can't stand it. I've never liked that song. But the other songs that, you know, have the doobie bounce, and it's like, okay... Kenny Loggins redeems himself in this moment. Didn't he do like Danger Zone too? Wasn't that him? Wasn't that him? Danger Zone from Top Gun? Never liked that song either. 
Kid Charlemagne is a badass song, though. Uh, kind of reptilian. Yeah, he does have the reptilian vibe. You notice that um, snakes don't have necks. You notice that? They generally don't have necks. Some do. Some have kind of a thinner part of their entire body that looks a little neck-like. Lizards don't have necks. So you're onto something there. Good call, Fran. Common in some vampires. Oh, don't get me started. I got in some shit yesterday on Twitter with um, dark journalists, wing girl, Olivia. Ugh. I was texting, you know, sometimes with Twitter, you forget that the rest of the world can see what you text. So I was texting with um, the cult priestess who I, I really like. I think she's super cool, total Aquarian, been on her show. And I made this comment, when is a dark journalist going to become a light journalist? I was just joking. It's like, okay, are you going to be dark all for the rest of your dark journalist career? Or are you going to transform into light journalist? And I, and I said, well, maybe you could go to gray journalist for a while, kind of an interim stage before you go into the light. I was just kind of fucking around. And then she said um, that he's gothy. He is gothy. That's uh, another one of these. The, the new thing now is for these call scammers to get a number in Texas which I don't know how they do, and then call me and try to offer me up a credit card, or try to offer a settlement on my credit card debt. They do it all the time now. And one day I knew it was one of them. And I asked him, who, who, uh, can I speak to Robert, please? They're always Indian. Can I speak to Robert, please? Sure, they ask who's calling? I never, I never address myself, man, she's calling. Because then I can figure out if Robert wants to talk to them or not. He says, yes, uh, my name is uh, Jim from uh, Chase Credit. And I'd like to talk to you about consolidating your credit debt. And I'm like, uh, Jim, I'd love to talk to you right now. But I'm really busy with my portfolio. I have millions of dollars I have to manage. And I really don't have time to talk to you. Can you? And he started cursing at me. I swear to God, he started cursing at me. He was like, fuck you. Fuck you, motherfucker. I'm like, <laughs> it's like I smoked him out. It was fucking with him. And they hate that. They hate that. Anyway, where was Boz? Boz was in Chicago and San Francisco. He was, Boz was over on the side playing the guitar. Uh, let's see. Short women can leave their hat on. That's funny. I guess we're getting into Randy Newman. Uh, having a beehive hairdo flashbacks. David Byrne, autism. Yeah, David Byrne seems like he's on the spectrum, doesn't he? He's got a weird background. 
who did I talk to? I think it was Emily. Emily and I got into David Burns. Like there's all kinds of weird shit in his background. He's got like, you know, weird Scottish roots. And, you know, it's like, there's, you know, like, again, kind of, kind of dark matter. Oh, getting back to the Twitter thing. I got to finish the Twitter story. So she said that, uh, that uh, dark journalist is goth. Oh, I actually had a client who went to high school with dark journalist and this Olivia. And I have no reason to believe that she would lie, none whatsoever. And she said that on the weekends, they would go to New York and they would go to goth parties. That's what she said. Does it seem like such a far fucking stretch? So I said that, I said, I think they went to like vampire parties. Not real vampires, but like Dave Ga- Gannion, or not Dave Gahan, Dave Vanian from The Dam, those kinds of vampires. And so then this Olivia comes on and says, your client was a liar. I'm like, oh, here we go. Now I gotta respond to this. Okay, well, either you went to these goth parties or not. If you did, what's the big fucking deal? Just either admit it, like, yeah, yeah, well, we did go to these parties. Or if you didn't, then it's my bad. Like, I try to leave an out. Like, I don't want to be an asshole, but I also don't want to be a doormat. I think that's where we are. You got to straddle the line between not being an asshole and not being a doormat. If you can figure that out, you will get through this life. And you can live with a higher degree of complexity and novelty, good complexity, not bad complexity. So I gave, I gave, I gave her an out, like, hey, it didn't happen, my bad. But if it did happen, what's the big, what's the big fucking deal? You went to goth parties when you were in high school. So why? I haven't visited that conversation. I will. All right, who else do we have? Christy Daniels, what's going on, Christy? Good to see you here. You're a millionaire, so we forgive you for being deformed. <laughs> Steve, you are funny. There's the love of Arlene Vega. She's here. Uh, let's see. Neil Wise checking in. Maybe Matrix Recycled Faces and Features. I don't know too many people who look like Donald Fagan. That's probably a good thing and a bad thing. He's got a unique look. Uh, happy full moon. Yes, it is the Aquarian full moon. It's good to talk about clown world because this is really the, the, this is the formation, right? Leo is the king and Aquarius is the fool. The king and the fool, they are the peanut butter and jelly of the Zodiac. And the fool is to remind the king that he's not all that. And the king puts up with the fool because the fool serves a purpose. The fool is disruptive. The fool is irreverent. Court jester is disruptive and irreverent. And it's it's like this um, psychological uh, tool that the king has at his disposal to not get too high and mighty. That's how it works. What's interesting about Trump is that Trump is the king and the fool simultaneously. That's one of the weird things about Trump because he can be really fucking funny. He can be very disruptive. 
uh, he's the king of Discordia. But then he's got like the king thing going on too, like Trump Tower and the gold and Leo rising, Mars and Leo on his ascendant. So you get the full package with Trump. You get the king and the fool. And that just sums up Trump in a lot of ways. Sorry, I, you know, I keep having this discussion with people about Trump. And Trump is like a clown. He is like a clown. Even when you look at his face sometimes, he's got that clown face. He's got that smile, right? It's almost like he knows he's a clown. He knows he's a jester. It's very interesting. The, most of my discussions around Trump are the line down the middle. And on the one side, there's all this shit that you know he's done wrong. And you're like, fuck, why did you do that? You know, why did you fast track this? Why did you um, not deal with Fauci? Why did you contend with, you know, the scarf lady for all those months? Why did you never talk about BLM? Never, never did he once talk about BLM. Why did you threaten to make Antifa a terrorist group, but never officially make them a terrorist group? Like there's a bunch of stuff on that side of the line. You just look at it and you go, oh my God, January 6th, you left those people hanging. Not, not a good look. You just left them hanging. And on the flip side of that, after the election, you're doing your vaccine uh, victory tour. Like there's all that stuff with Trump. You're like, ugh. Then the other side, he'll do some interesting shit. And that's just Trump, right? That's Trump in kind of a nutshell. And, and it feels like that's kind of this path of duality that is connected to these orders. Like they will, like the, the Masons do this. Like they do all these good works, theoretically. I remember one time I was with, my kid was young. He was about maybe uh, four. And we went to a street fair in Burlingame, California. And you know, it was just a typical kind of street fair. But I noticed that the Masons were doing their good works. And they were there to help parents get their children fingerprinted. <laughs> and I look, I, I'm on to this, you know, I'm on to what they're doing. Like, I know this shit already, right? I mean, to the degree that I can know it, which at that time was around 2000 and seven, so I think my kid was around three. He leaves for college next week. That's so weird. It's just so weird to think about that. Anyway, um, so I'm talking to these guys, right? I'm questioning, so uh, why are you doing this? <laughs> oh, we're just trying to give back to the community. And, um, you know, a lot of children go missing. So if you have their fingerprints, uh, it's going to be easier to potentially track them. I'm like, really? They're going to leave their fingerprints around? So maybe two years down the line, three years down the line, these fingerprints might match, if you're lucky. And I, I think some of them actually believe they were doing a good thing. Like that's part of their good work program. Then on the flip side, they may be doing some other shit whatever that other shit is. And I think that's, when you look at the black and white chessboard, that's the model. It's like, well, we'll do, we'll do something over here that puts us into a reprobate status, but then we'll do something over here 
that redeems that. I think Trump is like that a lot. When you look at him, he'll, you know, he'll do shit. That, like he gave uh, the HBCUs, which is the, the, you know, the traditional black colleges, like Grambling, um, what else? Like Jackson State, stuff like that. He gave them more money than any other president. More money than any other president. And yet, he's considered a racist, which I never, I never figured out the racist thing with Trump. Like that's, if there's one thing he's not, is a racist. He's not, he's not a racist. We all have certain beliefs, right? And we all have certain prejudices. If you don't, then you're lying. If, you, if we don't, you're lying to yourself. But I never considered Trump a racist. He, he hired, you know, multi-ethnic people. He may not have always paid them, but he hired them. Um, I never considered him. But I think that's the model, because you can see it with Trump. He'll do something really, really good. Like he made insulin really cheap. He made gas cheap. He encouraged, the, you know, all the drilling and the pipelines and you know, there was job growth and Trump really championed the so-called black economy. Like the jobs with black America under Trump really increased, both across the male and the female side of the spectrum. I don't know if he incentivized it or whatever, but I was I would watch those data points that go, they were going up, right? So he, he did some interesting things and then he would do some stupid shit, like the no-fly list. He left Saudi Arabia off the fucking no-fly list. It's like, you could have all these countries theoretically come in and, and get the anti-Muslim and anti-terror thing, but he left Saudi Arabia off of it. I'm gonna do that. But he would do some interesting stuff and some not so interesting stuff. And I think that's just how it works. And I think that's how these societies are set up. It's kind of like what, uh, what's his name? Joe Manchin did in West Virginia. I don't know if he's belongs to the world or of clowns or whatever, but he held out on this bill, this uh, inflation bill until he finally got what he wanted, which was more pipeline, more gas, more oil. And they had to, they finally had the cave. And he said, well, we know that we want to go to these alternative energies, but we can't do it right away. So we need to continue to do what we're doing while we're doing the other thing. So it's kind of like that model, you know, the theoretical balance, the reconciliation of opposites. Who else do we have? Equicentric is here. Let's go on to Equa. Um, anyone see they're blaming the horrific accident in Windsor Hills, California on mental illness? Is that the Ann Hatch accident? Let's see who else we have here. DJMC, I love it. 
AKA MF sister, sister Nino, you're, you're leaning. Michael was a DJ. Michael used to spin at a uh, ministry. So we're not, you know, we don't, we don't stray too far afield when it comes to uh, names and handles. Uh, MPAP says supposedly 70,000 to 87,000 new IRS agents have to carry a firearm and willing to use deadly force. I saw that. They, they had the job listing posted and then they took it down. I mean, literally, like, you have to be comfortable with learning how to master a long-range firearm at our training facility in Utah. I'm like, What? They took that down. It's like this. This 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 has the potential of being a nightmare. But I will tell you, it's going to backfire on them because we're living in this time where, when stuff comes up and it happens, and it's intentional, and they're trying to get something, you know, over on the public or, or across the line. Like we're just living in this time now where the inverse begins to happen. Like the inverse is the strategy. Like there's even an inversion effect in your own life. And I've been, I've been doing my best to practice this. When I feel like I have to get in and do something and um, correct something or set somebody straight or whatever, sometimes I just don't say anything. And I just watch. And I just watch these things get sorted out. Like, oh, that was interesting. It's like the inversion. It's like, okay, I'm going to not get on top of it and, you know, take a hammer or saw or wrench of this thing. I'm just going to step back and watch it resolve itself. And if it doesn't resolve itself in the way that I think I want it to resolve itself, then I just deal with it. It's like, okay, well, it's going to be that way. And, you know, so this is where we are now. And I feel like there's a lot of power in that. Because again, from the social platform or the, the social scene, what they want people to do is they want people to strike out. They want people to lash out. They want people to get into shouting matches in debates. And you know, in, in the sports world, the, the whole debate forum started off with um, Skip Bayless, and Stephen A. Smith on ESPN. And they just used to shout at each other. They just shouted at each other. The whole debate format started there. And then it kind of morphed into Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. And again, more debate. So you can see it in the sports world. This whole kind of debate culture took off, right? And it's a big part of everything now where people like, step off on one another. And then there's nothing wrong with that. But you have to think about, well, why did they do this? Why did they promote this kind of agenda in terms of how we communicate, especially with something as mundane as sports? And nobody should be, nobody should run from a debate or having to back up your point of view. But it feels like now, there is a different game in town. 
it feels a bit more Tao in some ways. Like you're aware of it, you're self-aware, you see what can happen, and then you kind of align yourself with the potential outcomes and you kind of let it go. It's been working. Maurice says, I've been under the impression the IRS is a private corporation operating. Maurice, you are correct. They are operating out of Puerto Rico. They are a private corporation. And there are many people who have won court cases against the IRS. And um, they are very quiet about those victories based on a lot of the things you just talked about. I mean, let's be clear. The IRS needs to be abolished. It's just a collection agency. It's a collection agency that was born out of the deal with taxation, which comes out of the agreement with the Rothschilds, uh, the creature from Jekyll Island, 1913, signing off over the holidays, and then we're, you know, jumping into World War I to run up the tax debt. And what did they say? No, don't worry about it. It's just going to affect the rich. They're going to pay way more. They're going to pay their fair share. Where did you hear that? Oh, it's only going to affect people earning over $400,000. I got to tell you, $400,000 in this economy ain't shit. Now, for some people, like, geez, I'd really like to make $200,000. No, seriously. $400,000. If you play the game and the tax game and all that stuff, your $400,000 a year is more like $270,000. What did $270,000 buy you 10 years ago versus what it buys you now? So $400,000. They act like $400,000 is a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. It is not a lot of money. Would I like to have that problem? Sure, I'd love to have that problem. But then they're like, oh, no, no, no. We won't go after anybody who earns less than $400,000 a year. They're going after the middle class. Like $400,000 now a year would be considered middle class. 10 years ago, that's not for middle class. This middle class now, this is what's happened. So now they're going after the middle class. And that number will get lower and lower and lower. They got to abolish the IRS. If they want money, First of all, they have to abolish almost everything with the exclusion of the federal government of being able to regulate interstate commerce, secure the border, and have some kind of working treaties with other countries. Even the military should go away. Like, we should be the military. We the, we the people should be a standing militia. And if we're a standing militia, we're not getting into any fucking foreign wars, right? If you're a standing militia, are you going to send your kid who's living in your place, who knows how to fire a shotgun or 30-06 or 9mm, do you think you're going to go send them to go fucking fight in Iraq? No, you're not. But if your kid is conscripted, now the government gets to tell you where your kid is going to get shipped. Just eliminate that shit. Eliminate it. Eliminate the FBI. 
It's another federal agency. Get rid of it all. Get rid of it all. And then, in order to maintain the borders, which they're not doing, and have some kind of infrastructure to regulate interstate commerce, you charge a minimal tax on purchases. A minimal tax on purchases. And that's it. You get a flat tax added on your purchase. And it can't be anything more than, say, 2.5%. And that just goes to them. Plenty of money. Plenty of money. That's ultimately what we should do. That's, that's the model. And then you just deal with your states, right? Now the states can say, okay, well, you know, we need money for this or we need money for that. And whatever, whatever local infrastructure you have, it should be the state's responsibility. I mean, the government just got way too obese. You go back to, to Roosevelt, you know, it's like, oh, well, let's wreck the economy. Let's put people out of work. I have a great idea. We'll start the WPA and we'll rebuild all this shit. We'll put people to work. We'll make the government bigger. Problem, reaction, solution. Clearly, that's all we need to do. It's not that hard. You think people in Washington would want that? You think your representatives would want that? Or the senators would want that? No, they wouldn't want that. They wouldn't have a job. They would not have a job. I mean, I guess you could still keep them. But what would they do? They wouldn't have anything to do. They wouldn't have to vote on this, vote on that, vote on this, vote on that. They wouldn't get stinking rich like uh, Nancy Pinglosi. I mean, I mean, let's, let's cut to the chase here. So the IRS is just a collection, and they're dangerous. They've ruined people's lives. I mean, literally ruined people's lives. And now... They voted to give enough money to hire 87,000 more of these friendly, nice people who were just facilitating the uh, exchange of one value and due value to a place where it needs to go so that it can be put to good use. No, 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 no. It's not going to work out well. This is where we are. It's not going to, everything's going to boomerang on these people. Um, CC Jones, she agrees. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Empath, what do you call a thousand lawyers at the bottom of the ocean? I'm waiting for this one. Chum. Treasure. Oh, that's good. When, did Wendy nail it? Oh, good start. thought Wendy nailed it. May B is here. What's going on, May? I'm still waiting for the punchline. Where are we? Trump is a Hayoka. Professor Hamamoto, yes. On, on, uh, on the Friday forecast tomorrow. At the highest levels, Masons are instructed to put aside their wives. Yeah, I mean, being the wife of a Mason has just got to fucking suck, right? It's got to suck. Just look at those message boards. I've been in them. I've read their, their, their laments. Jesus. And it put up with a lot. 
Trump is definitely a Hayoka. Trump is, he's the weirdest character. He is the weirdest combination of the king and the clown. And he's beholden to everyone and beholden to no one. Kind of like Marlon Brando in some ways. Although it's pretty clear that Marlon Brando had a more interesting sex life. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have here? I approve Hank Sr. bringing it. I played Hank Sr. before in here. Boss Gags was a blues guitarist in the early days. Somebody loaned me a dime. They used to play that on the uh, alternative FM stations I grew up listening to. No banda. God, I cannot. Okay. There are two types of music that I really don't like. I think maybe three now. Maybe four. It's growing by the minute. Bond is one of them. I'm sorry, I don't like it. It's like I get it. Oompa, Oompa beats us. You know, Tejano, kind of Tejano music. Yeah, not a fan. Although there was a guy who didn't, there was a group. What was that group from Mexico? They're from Tijuana. They did this interesting version of Bond meets electronic music. That shit was interesting. Seals and Croft is on the yacht. They're there twice on the yacht. Let's see, who else do we have? Kenny Loggins looks and acts like someone deeply traumatized. I can see that. He got into a bunch of new age shit. I think Michael McDonald resembles, the longer Michael McDonald sticks around, the longer he starts to look, the more he starts to look like George Lucas. That's a good call. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Oh, she also maintains Freeman's FB page. She gets around. Taffy's here. What's going on, Taffy? Good to see you. Spam calls all day long. I know, right? Fuck. You know when the spam calls come in and you can answer in a different voice too. That really fucks them up, which I do. Yeah, hello. Oh, yes, hello. Is Robert there? Robert who? <laughs> There's no Robert here. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. Have a good day. I do that shit. Um, let's see. I'm just going through. You guys are so good this morning. I'm getting all my content from you. Uh, Kelly says, I'm a very Scorpio and should be into the goth scene, but I just can't and never really could get behind it. I like some of the music. And I could show you a picture of me around 30 and you would swear that I was like Nick Cave's little brother. Some ways I kind of am. 
were born in the same day, different years. But I like some of the goth stuff. I like. I really enjoyed uh, Love and Rockets. Like I, I mentioned, I got to meet them one time, and hang out with them, and I liked a lot of the Bauhaus stuff. Not all of it. I liked it. I didn't like their version of Ziggy Stardust. It was like David Bowie did this better. Like if you're gonna do a song, do it better. Do it different. And it wasn't better or different enough. Um, some of Peter Murphy's solo stuff I really liked. Uh, who else in that goth world? Dead Can Dance. They're gothy. I thought they were cool. Really liked them. Uh, let's see. Sisters of Mercy, who were kind of a joke band. But this corrosion is great. So I like some goth. Some goth I just couldn't... Like, like Alien, Sex Fiend. Like, eh, I can't go there. It's not my thing. When they started to like get too theatrical and you know, put the fake long fingernails and you know, put pancake on their face or whatever. It was it was a little too Halloween-y for me. Uh, let's see. Queen Lisa. What's going on, Queen Lisa? Good to see you here. Donald Fagan has a face for radio. I know, right? You know who also looks weird is Bruce Hornsby. Bruce Hornsby looks really weird. But he's talented. He's like really, really talented. That's, there's a whole group of musicians that are like that. Christopher Cross is like that. I was talking with Robin, and, and uh, we both mentioned the fact that Steely Dan wanted Christopher Cross to play guitar on one of their records. He's that, he's that good. DJ makes thousands of every broadcast. Add a donation button, and I'll do the same uh, for you daily. I do have a donation button. You know where it is? It's over on Rumble. Yeah, he makes he makes he makes bank, man. He makes bank. The DJ DJ's a smart guy. He he you know he goes into some arcane territory, holds it together, uh, and really unfolds it in a very professional manner. My beef with DJ and Catherine Austin Fitz and the other sidekick, uh, Dr. Farrell, is that they never fucking talk about Israel. Never. They never once mention Israel. They never talk about APAC. They never talk about the influence of Israel and APAC inside of our own government. They never talk about dual citizens. They never even get remotely close to the idea of what we would call Jewish power, right? They never talk about it, never approach it. It's like, and for Farrell, it's always the Nazis. Well, it's the Nazis, the Nazis, the Nazis. The, 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 the Nazis that escaped from World War II. Operation Paperclip. Alex Jones is the same thing. And, you know, I am not here to, like, bash anyone Right, that's not what I'm here to do. But I do talk about things that other people don't want to talk about. And if you don't talk about the elephant in the room, then 
you know, why even get like kind of close to it? You know, it's got, you got to be able to talk about it in some way, shape or form. Like, even if you're just talking about like the neocons and their relationship with fucking Ukraine and Kaganovich and the Kagans and all this shit, right? And the architects of all of these wars fit a certain profile. They grew up, they went to rabbinical school, they're Bolsheviks, and then they moved to the right until it's inconvenient and somebody like Donald Trump comes along and William Crystal moves back to the left. They don't talk about that. And that's like light. That's like light shit to talk about. I could be wrong. Maybe they do talk about it. I don't watch them very often. I've listened to Captain Rawson. It's a nice lady. Very smart. Very, very smart. But that's my beef. That is my beef. And, you know, you talk about it enough and you'll be labeled an anti-Semite or whatever. And it's like, no, you know, there, you, you have to untangle these things and be, and, and look, we'll talk about other people. We'll talk about Masons. We'll talk about enablers. You know, we'll talk about the Shabbos Goy or whatever, right? And they're part of the mix too. There are fucking sellouts that theoretically look like me were baptized in the same religion that I was baptized in, right? We'll talk about them and we should because they're fucking sellouts and traitors. That's what they are. And even if they're not intentionally selling us out or being a traitor, they ultimately wind up doing it. We can talk about them. Everything is up for discussion now. It's happening in the black community. Like Jason, Jason Whitlock talks about this on a, on a daily basis. He, he draws it into this division of like the black elite versus the black working class and how the black elite has formally sided with the left. And this is where he will, he will occasionally wade into that territory. Will he make a connection between the NAACP and who started the NAACP as this, you know, um, kind of choke point and being able to control narratives. I hate that word now, narrative. It's like everybody uses narrative now. All right, let's get into some clownable stuff. You gotta see some of this shit. Good run, Chataria, this morning. Very good. Uh, let's see. What did I see? Oh yeah, it's over here. Where is it? It's right here. Um, why don't we start with this? Oh, oh damn it, where'd it go? Let me find this thing. Yeah, here we go. Check this out. So if you're paying attention, there's now a war on water and there's now a war on milk. It's been deemed that no rainwater on the planet is safe to drink. Well, they're probably not that far off, although there's probably some places on the planet where you can get a pretty decent dose of uh, rainwater. 
But with all the geoengineering, you would really want to drink that. So to some degree, they're right. But now there's an attack on milk. And they're trying to take milk out of the schools in California because it goes rancid. And guess what they want to replace it with? Plant-based milk. All right, so check this out. They actually have fucking anti-milk activists. Watch this, this is just ridiculous. So these people are at, looks like a deli or a bakery, and they are going to pour milk out because they are there to make the point that milk is not good for you and it's not good for the planet. Here we go. This is clown world. If I, if I was at that place, I probably would take a thing of milk and I'd pour it on their heads. Say, here, let me join you. And I'd pour it on their heads and I'd pour it on another one's head. It's like, yeah, here we go. It's ridiculous. And that's, that's the hill they want to die on. Milk. Give me a break. What else did I have set up for Clown World today? Uh, that's not, it's all other stuff. Okay. Here's more Clown World stuff. Here's a guy that wants to get Trump arrested and he can't even name one crime that Trump has committed. Watch this. 
this unprecedented to arrest a former president for not well, turning in documents? Former president that had committed this many provable criminal acts. But what are the provable criminal acts? I guess. <sighs> provable criminal acts. Well, I'm just. I, I, I'm done talking. Ah, I'm done talking. Okay, that is fucking clown wool. Whether or not you agree with Trump, right? Whether or not you agree with Trump. If you're going to say something like that, you better back it up. Provable acts. One simple question says, what provable acts? And the guy can't answer the question. I'm through talking to you. It's, just like, it's like the Westworld robot breaks down and then they end the conversation. This is clown world. This is, this is where we're living right now. And it's... Ridiculous. I mean, you almost have to sit back and look at the absurdity of this. Here's a guy who looks like he's flip sides. But I, I'm telling you, if you put makeup on him, he'd make a really good clown. You have to check this out. So here's a guy who was a Democrat, and he figured out that the whole vaccine thing was just not something that he could abide by. So it's this guy right here. Um, what's his name? Steve Kirsch. Kirsch was introduced as a former Democratic donor. He's become disaffected with the party. So he's flipping his script. But just put some like clown makeup on him. He'd make a great clown, don't you think? He's got the hair for it, or lack thereof. All right, here we go. Let's hear this one. Hopefully the audio works. Oops. I may have to do something here with the audio. My apologies. Ah, here it is. Here. Let's go back. Steve, when did the Democratic Party start going south with you? Well, when they violated my, my, my trust, Brian. Um, you know, they told the, the agencies, the FDA, the CDC, the NIH said that these vaccines were safe and effective. And when I started seeing my friends die and be injured, and I started looking at the data, uh, there was no question that this vaccine is the most dangerous vaccine ever created by man. It is a thousand times more deadly than the smallpox vaccine, and that's too unsafe for people to use. And I could not get even a single minute in front of any Democratic congressman. The best I got was that Ro Khanna uh, gave me a, to a staff member who took two months to get back to me. And when I asked if she had read what I had sent her, she said, no, it disagreed with the CDC, so it's not right. And so I didn't really read it. So, and so that's as far as I ever got. And, but you didn't stop there. You did your own research. What did you find? What, what, what did you find was effective? And what was the reaction when you put it out there? Well, what I found was uh, that hundreds of thousands of Americans have been killed by this vaccine, and millions have been injured. And, you know, they're, uh, clearly, you are more likely to be injured or dead from the vaccine than if you were unvaccinated. So what they're saying, and what the reality is, is completely opposite. There is a uh, conservative radio show commentator, uh, his name is Wayne Root. He had a wedding eight months ago. And he had about half conservatives 
and, and ha well, yeah. half of his, they're all pretty much conservatives, okay? But half were vaccinated and half were not vaccinated. And he found that of the 100 people that were vaccinated, he had 26 people who were seriously injured and he had seven people who died. And in the unvaccinated group, he had zero and zero. So, Steve, now, yeah, we don't know. That like, is statistically impossible right. if the vaccines are safe. Right. So, so we, don't, we can't verify those numbers. These are numbers that you have. But in turn. That's a CYA moment, right? Look at him. Look at him. He's got a smile. See, now he's like moving into clown territory. Now he's got the clown thing going on. Those are your numbers. We can't verify them. We have to cover our asses because a lot of our clients are the pharmaceutical industry. The Democrats who you funded uh, exceedingly came and won't, won't even return your call, including your own congresswoman. So there you go. This guy got a dose of clown world. And let's be fair, like there are a number of Republicans that, um, you know, suck the pipe too. All right, we're out of here for today. Uh, thanks for being here. Catch us tomorrow over on YouTube with Professor Daryl Hamamoto. Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your car two seconds possible. Yataria, yada on. We'll see you then. Bye for now.